0: All right, our subject this morning in Sunday School is the resurrection, our resurrection thoughts. We, uh, from time to time, like to teach on the resurrection, the crucifixion, the uh, Lord's Supper, the hours that He was on the cross. But uh, without doubt, the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the keystone to the arts of the church. So as we look at Matthew chapter 20, uh, we may add some thoughts on this that we hadn't had before, but when you teach on the resurrection and the uh, you know all of these subjects that we need to be reminded of every once in a while uh, if you very few new things sometimes the Lord will give you a deeper thought or something but here in Matthew chapter 20 you know verse uh, eighteen and 19, when we look at this uh, portion of Scripture, my pages don't want to turn this morning. So here in Matthew, the 20th chapter and the 18th verse, behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they condemned him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. He did rise, as the word of God tells us in the same book of Matthew, go over to the 28th chapter, Twenty-eighth chapter, and the sixth verse. Here we we see it, a great truth, and I think they're good for us to be reminded of these simple truths from time to time. But in uh, Matthew twenty-eight and verse six, it said, "He's not here, for He is risen, as He said. Come, see the place." Where the Lord laid. Now as we think about this those loved ones that we have lost that were were saved uh, they left the body and went straight to glory. And the reason they can do that is because that grave where they put the Lord after three days and three nights is empty. And uh, we all uh, get emotional when we lose our loved ones. And we do things if you stop and think about it. You know, I came over here yesterday, and I stopped by the grave site, and uh, I don't visit graves very often but uh, I went over there and I just sat there you know for I don't know how long of a time but there was nobody there there's nobody there and I'm thankful that there's nobody there you know and that's all possible because Christ stayed three days and three nights, and he was dead, but he rose alive. We die, but only the body dies. The spirit leaves the body and goes straight to heaven. And we don't like to think about the other side, but the other side of that. If I was lost and I died today, my spirit would go straight to hell. There is no waiting in the grave, there's no waiting in the tomb, you know, and I'm I'm amazed, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that, but you you drive through these cemeteries and they got monuments, and statues that would now today would cost $100,000. I mean, that'd be the minimum. We do that out of tradition. And I thought about that as I was studying late last night. When we take the Lord's Supper and we take that bread and it's representative of his sinless body and we take the juice which symbolizes his sinless blood. If he had stayed in that grave, we would have no reason to take the Lord's Supper. We would have no reason to be baptized. We would have no reason to be here this morning. But he did rise Amen. right on time. 72 hours exactly. Amen. Not everybody agreed with that statement. A lot of people said, well, it's, it, it was 72 plus or minus. If it's plus or minus, then that scripture is not accurate. He said, as Jonah. Stayed in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so will he stay in the heart of the earth. Now, if you take all of those resurrection thoughts, that's why that uh, we can't and be biblical, celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday because there's nothing true about either one of those statements. The only thing good about Good Friday is that if you work in public, you usually get off. But there's no spiritual teaching there. Because if he is in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and he came out. See, God does everything on time. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. Paul said, But now is Christ risen from the dead to become the firstfruits of them that slept. Have you ever noticed that little last word in that? That slept. There's difference between sleeping and dying. The motion is different. But God said, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Now the question, and I'm not going to get into that this morning, what about the Old Testament saints that died? When Christ was crucified and resurrected, that tomb was empty? Were all of their graves empty? God tells us, still in the book of 1 Corinthians, still in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's look at chapter. 15 and verse 20 but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that's left I believe that verse tells me that the Old Testament saints Their spirit came up out of that grave. The tremendous importance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ can be seen in some following facts that we want to look at this morning. See, it's hope, and then there's assurance So when you go to the grave of somebody you love, you can be assured that one day you will be where they are now. All saved people are not outside the gate. They're inside. They're present. With the Lord, to me, that's exciting. His resurrection is a vital feature of the gospel. You know, still in the book of Corinthians, we look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 3 and 4, where Paul said, But I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, among other things, what I would like to let everybody see and hope that they agree with what that scripture is is teaching. You know that we got to be saved, we got to live, we got to die according to scripture. But the day in which we live in, even Baptists, some don't always say, but their life proves it. You know, as long as I'm not a real bad person, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to be in the bride and I'm going to have all the first fruits of everybody else. But see, when you study the bride and you study the local church, the only book that will separate those two is the Word of God. But we see it and we practice it every time that we have a wedding. There's only one bride and groom. All the rest of us are guests. The main difference is everybody in glory is saved. There's nobody in glory that's not saved. But the principle it's the same. Remember what Timothy said in 2 Timothy 2.8. You know, we've got to take the gospel as it is so we remember that Jesus Christ as the seed of David was raised from the dead according, as Timothy said, according to my gospel. And it's these little words that we overlook, and 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 then when the preacher gets up and, and preaches, you know, you have an evangelist come in and he preaches that that there's something special about being in the right church with the right baptism, with the right teaching. So you know. When we look at this, and we see here in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, God said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. I wonder why you use the word my. Because there's a lot of false gospels out there. There's a lot of people being taught that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Of who? It's the death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures. And there's only one person's death, burial, and resurrection assures me that when I die, I'm going to enter heaven. And that's the... Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you said, Well, these are minor things. But you know, it's the Bible tells us it's these little things, these, these little things that people don't look at, don't think about because they said, I've heard the word, I believe the word, and God said, If I hear and believe, I was saved. But the Bible also says, that we got to live out what we believe. And I believe everybody does. Everybody does. And if you got that view, which I don't believe is a negative view, I believe it's a positive view myself. But, uh, you know, there are people that I know and you probably know that the only thing that they have that was, you know, even come close to the gospel is that they made a profession of faith. And they'll tell you that. But uh, that's not what the Bible says. His resurrection is necessary. It's necessary to our salvation. Because if he was still in that grave, we would not have a hope of being saved. We would never go to glory. We would never have the power that I believe a saved person has in their prior life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, as we look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, Paul said, and if Christ be not raised, see, he's given us an option here, given us another view. If he had not been raised, your faith, it's vain. So when you add that to the resurrection, we see how important it is. I mean, he lived a perfect life. He voluntarily died. Nobody took his life. We've seen that through our scriptures. They tried to crucify him. He would just disappear. But when it was time, he submitted himself. But what is so important about this particular teaching is that God is saying, and if Christ be not raised, comma, your faith is vain. So I think it's a mockery myself. It's just my personal belief. You don't have to agree with it. But I think it's a perfect, uh, it's just a mockery of the resurrection. Mockery of the resurrection Sunday when we compare our Savior to an Easter bunny. But oh, Pastor, the kids love it. Kids love dope now. Are we going to legalize it for them? I mean, you know, I haven't changed a bit, you know. This rating system on the TV, it plays on adults' stupidness. You know, what we're telling our kids You're not old enough to participate in this sin. But as you get older, then you can watch the R and the X-rated and all of that. Is it not? Or am I viewing it wrong? But the devil is smarter than, you know, almost any of us. So he uses media, the music, everything so that the young people can grow up in feeling and still children in maturity. So what has this got to do with the resurrection? I use this term a lot. I am what I am by the grace of God. If Christ still in that grave, I would have no power. So he tells us very clearly, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. You can join every church, baptize many times you want to, quote the Bible, whatever. you know, we got to know where we came from. And if some of you are wondering what is that map of on the floor at the chart, it's, we're going to hang that up on that wall and, and uh, I probably won't be here long enough to finish it up because it's going to take a long, long time to study from the beginning to where we are. But... Everything happened in season and for a purpose to get us where we are now. So God tells us in Romans chapter 10, you know, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved it's possible for you to be saved. All you've got to do is to, to thyself confess. In other words, what Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 is saying, there are no secret disciples. You'd be shocked, because I don't think I've ever mentioned it before, that how, how many people that would join our church providing that I would baptize them privately. Why would you want to be baptized privately? Well, I think you want the best of both worlds. You know, you in your mind, I'm a member of the church, so I'm a Christian, but the world doesn't know that I'm a Christian because as far as they know, I've never been baptized because the world relates... To being baptized is the badge that people look to know that you're saved. And baptism strictly is the door to the church. With God put that safeguard in that, that if the preachers do their job and they i have talked to the people and they're convinced that that person's testimony is what it should be, then they'd recommend to, to, to the church. And it's through baptism that you get to be a member of his church. But it had no saving power. No saving power at all. But his resurrection is necessary to our justification. You know, when we look at, at Romans, and uh, we studied the book of Romans uh, probably a few years. I don't know how long it's been, but we studied this book verse by verse. Here in Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 30, no, 24, 24, yes. Romans 4.24 God says but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him and raise up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In other words he died because I'm was a sinner. And he came back alive. No, he wasn't in a coma. He didn't just pass out. He was dead. And he came back alive so that in Christ, I could be made alive. Died to self. That's what salvation shows. You died to self. You're not important anymore. You're dead you rise again in Christ. It's a unity. It's, it's l- like a marriage. You belong to him. He belongs to you. There's no other men and women have the right. The devil can't cause me to lose my salvation because Christ died for me and he raised again for me. And I don't see anything in there about a worldly uh, participation. His resurrection is necessary to our fruitfulness. Still in the book of Romans, let's look at verse uh, chapter 7 and verse 4. God said here, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, and we should bring forth fruits unto God. This is a spiritual marriage. We, the human being, becomes part of his bride. I mean, when a man marries a woman, the woman is the bride. So Christ says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead, dead to self. What you want, what you desire, what you think is no longer important. So when somebody is trying to show you why they do something and and they go that route because mom and dad did it and I've been in that church, they've always did it. That's all false information. You follow the Lord. This is God speaking to you. You follow the Lord after he makes you alive and this and only this is your instruction. You say, you're narrow-minded, very much so, very much so. If it doesn't come from the Bible, it's my opinion. And your opinion is as good as my opinion. But neither one of our opinions override the word of God. So that's why that I have always done it, and I believe every preacher I know done it. You know, if you disagree with what I teach, then you owe it to me to sit down with me and show it in the Word of God while you disagree. I don't know. Out of 50 years or so, preaching, I've only had trouble people do that. But if you teach the Bible correctly, there's no way anybody can prove you wrong. they're not proving you wrong they're trying to prove the Bible wrong this is what God said but this is what he meant Uh, it just doesn't jive so uh, that's why that God tells us you know his resurrection is necessary to our fruitfulness and Romans 7 4 says Wherefore, my brethren, ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from bringing forth fruit, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Every Christian should bring forth fruit because you can do something and see something and you say, well, I, you know, I don't have any talent. If you're saved, unless there's sin in your life, you can pray. There's nothing you can do for me any more important in my life than to pray for me. Just pray that God will keep me in the center of his will. That's what I want everybody praying for, for me because it's already predetermined the day, hour, minute, and second that I'll enter glory. So during that time, if you want to pray for each other, pray that they will be obedient to the word. His resurrection is necessary to our concentration. You know Second uh, Corinthians chapter five and verse fourteen. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse fourteen. God tells us here He says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You know why that if you find out that something hurts somebody by you saying it, if you love them, you won't say it anymore? Hmm? His love constrains you. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that He died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, his resurrection is necessary for our concentration, that I may concentrate my life on doing what he wants me to. To do, and he knows that we got uh, you know. I wrote an article years ago, you know, about the uh, husband that would come home every night, and the wife would have the house it's just perfect, meal on the table, it's just everything was just perfect, and then. One night, the husband came home, and uh, he said, Are you all right? And the wife said, Sure. And he said, Then what is all this? He said, Do you remember you always come in, and what did you do today? He said, Today I didn't do it. So the dirty dishes, the filthy house, the bed unmade, toys all over the place, I didn't do it. But every day you ask me, what did you do today? He says, so she said, I wanted to show you what I do every day. If Christ was to leave me for one day, my house would be to like that house. That's why Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And if God would remove his grace from me, you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't want to be around me. His resurrection is necessary to our security. You know, Romans eight thirty four said, who is he that condemneth?" It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who make up intercession for us. See, we have a lawyer. We've already, you know, uh, put down what is necessary for that lawyer to be there if I need him. And Christ is our lawyer. Satan accuses us every day. Every day, Satan accuses and Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God saying, he's mine. I paid for that. That penalty for that sin that he committed today, I took it. So if you can think that way, you can imagine how much he suffered on that cross. Every time I say something or do something that would that would caused my reputation to say, well, he's a hypocrite. Christ paid for it. You know, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, you know, wherefore he is able also to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him, He ever lived to make intercession. He ever lived. He's on guard 24-7 to take care of me. So when people say, well, you know, I've tried it, preacher. I just can't live the Christian life. You probably need to be born again. And lastly, his resurrection is necessary to our resurrection. You know. I sat over at the grave site yesterday, and that's that's really different for me because I don't go to graves. I don't, because ain't nobody there. But uh, it's, it's uh, she was sort of, sort of special to me, so I do things that I normally wouldn't do. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14 says this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them that would sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, you know, so a person wanted to argue with, with me. My wife, we put her in the grave. I said there her, it used, used to be, used to be. That the preacher or whoever preached the funeral would have to stay there until that body was Lord. Now we really don't know. You know. But God tells us here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then we sleep and Jesus will God bring with him. Every child of God, when Christ comes after me or comes after those on the earth, he comes back to earth, he's going to bring everybody that he died for back with him. God says in the book of Philippians, as we close, Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three and verse thirty. Philippians three thirty. I wrote down the wrong scripture here. I looked at it wrong. No, I didn't. I just quoted it wrong. Philippians 3:20, 3:20 and 21, which we just read a few minutes ago, for our conversation, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What does the uh, crucified, buried, risen, exalted, and glorified Savior mean to you? He's my life. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for...